You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. again everyone and welcome. A woman named Masha Dutois recently met her sister in a coffee shop. She was hoping to have some pleasant conversation, but Masha became distracted. She noticed off to her side that uh, one of the workers at the coffee shop was Uh, running a tap of water and she was cleaning uh, just one coffee mug under this tap of water as it was running. And Masha, this woman, she became upset and distracted to the point that she was not able to continue the conversation with her sister. Most of us would not get upset to see something like this. In fact, most of us would not even notice it. But context is everything. This coffee shop is in Cape Town, South Africa. It is a city of 4 million people and it is running out of water. The Cape Town uh, water supply comes from several reservoirs which only fill when it rains. And it has not rained much there for about three years. These reservoirs are now 25% full and they are getting lower all the time. If they drop much further, the city authorities have said that they will have to turn off the tap water completely. In that case, water rationing will begin. There will be trucks of water and people will need to stand in line to get a little bit of water given to them at distribution points. This scenario has been called day zero. That's what they call it. That's the day when the taps are turned off and there's no more city water to the four million people. Now, back in January, the city authorities estimated that day zero was going to arrive in maybe the first week of April. The message started to go out and people finally started to see how serious it was and they began to conserve. Uh, People are requested in Cape Town to use only 50 liters of water per day per person. Now that sounds like a lot to you and me because we have no idea how much water we actually use. But most people use 300 or 400 or 500 liters of water a day without noticing. Now, the less people are using, the further day zero is being pushed out. So now, day zero is estimated to happen in August. Masha Dutois, she is an artist, she is a writer, and she herself had taken drastic steps to cut her water usage. She no longer takes showers whatsoever. She just uses a small bowl of water to wash. She cut her hair very short so that she would not need much water to wash it. She uses uh, gray water. Gray water means water that has been already used for another purpose. She uses gray water for lots of things like watering the plants, 
or uh, flushing the toilet. Although she and her husband don't, husband don't flush the toilet very often, for urine they just collect it in plastic and they take it outside and they dump it straight into a drain. She has rain barrels all around her house to collect any rainwater that might fall and then she uses that water, she takes it inside. So after making so many changes, it was a shock for her to see this employee at a coffee shop just turn on the faucet and just let water run all over a single cup of coffee. Clearly, some people are understanding the warnings and others are not. Some are getting that this is not business as usual. There are warnings and some pay attention, but others just keep on going like nothing has changed. In our gospel reading, uh, James and John, these brothers, they seem somewhat unaware that the context has changed. In the verses leading up to our reading, and I, I really wish I had included those verses Jesus gave his third and his most explicit warning that he was going to suffer and die in Jerusalem. And this time he gave details. He said he was going to be beaten. He was going to be mocked, spit on, and killed. In Mark chapter 8, and in Mark chapter 9, and in Mark chapter 10... Jesus warns once in each of those chapters that soon he was going to suffer. And James and John take this opportunity, this moment, right after the third warning, and they asked if they could have the two highest places of honor when Jesus comes into his glory. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. You just don't get it. You are not yet understanding that this is not business as usual. First of all, you're going to suffer, Jesus says to them. Uh, uh, he says, you, are you willing to drink the cup that I will drink or, or be baptized with my baptism? And, and both of those things are figures for suffering. Remember, Jesus prayed in the garden. Of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if you would, please take this cup away from me. And baptism there, that's a little confusing. Uh, he's not talking about this kind of baptism. Jesus was talking about letting waters rush over you, uh, waters coming up to your neck, like being in a flash flood. Are you willing to drink this cup? Are you willing to let these waters rush over top of you? James and John, they said, we are able. Still you're not understanding, Jesus says to them. My kingdom is not operating on normal principles of this world. This is not business as usual. You are thinking in the old way. You are thinking that when I, I turn on the faucet, that water will come no matter what. It's unlimited. But the rules are changing. In this world, greatness means how many people you have working for you, how many you can boss around, how many people are on staff to carry your suitcases. Do people stand up when you enter a room? 
Do people whisper out of respect when they see you approach? Look at her. There she is, right there. What kind of authority do you have? How big is your name, your position, your status, your car? And isn't this kind of what we want? A little bit of respect? A little bit of status? Of course we do. And that's, that's what James and John wanted. And Jesus just, oh, you're still not getting it. Jesus said, even he, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve others. In the kingdom of God, the greatest are those who are a slave to all, a servant to all. In this world, in our world, uh, greatness is judged very differently. People worship human leaders kind of as a god. Uh, They had to hail Caesar, call him a divine son. And 2,000 years later, this kind of stuff seems to continue. But when God truly did come, uh, God made flesh. He actually attracted very few followers, even though he really was a king. And he ended up being executed. So Jesus says, uh, be a servant of all. And so I thought, okay, now I got to tell you guys, what does that mean? How do we do that? And I, I've been thinking a lot about it. And I, I have not found all of the answers. Be a servant of all. I think I have a long way to go in understanding what that really means. One thing I do know is that being a servant to all means loving everyone. I know it means allowing myself to become small, allowing my ego to shrink, learning to find a new way to judge my status, my place in this world. It's really hard to reorient my thinking. It's really hard to understand that things truly are different now that he came. That we are living in a new world. That the normal rules do not apply anymore. After all, it seems like the old rules are working just fine. Just like that waitress at the coffee shop, uh, she turned on the faucet and it ran. We continue to operate under the old rules because nothing bad ever seems to happen when we do. But Jesus is pointing us to this bigger picture, beyond the everyday. Jesus is urging the disciples to get outside of just thinking about themselves and seeing how their actions, their words, affect the larger group. And those implications, those are endless. I'm learning this every day. I can tell you that my Personally, my ego and my arrogance, uh, it was 10 times larger when I was 18 years old than it is today, now that I'm 38 years old. Um, God has been good at humbling me, but I have a long way to go. I expect I'll probably say the same thing 20 years from now in the future. 
This is all about recognizing that it's not about you. And that's hard to hear. We don't like hearing that. It's not about you. And yet, he did love you enough to come and to serve you, to kneel and wash the disciples' feet, to remain silent on trial, to take his final breath on the cross for you. So in those ways, it is, in fact, all about you. But the implications, the the what now, the where do we go from here, that's humbling. Jesus' call to be a servant of all, that is humbling. Um, I encourage you then, as we near this end of this season of Lent, to engage with God. Ask Him to show you what being a servant of all means practically in your life. Maybe it's time for us to stretch ourselves a little bit. Give of ourselves a little bit more. Find someone who is weak, someone who is downtrodden, someone that the world does not notice, and then serve that person. When we ask, if we pray a prayer like this, God, show me how to be a servant of all, what does that mean for me? When we pray a prayer like that, God always opens a door to an opportunity to serve. And we remain encouraged. Jesus came to serve us. Jesus could have kind of slammed the door in John and James's face. He could have said, you guys are so off track. Here, I just told you I, I'm going to die. And, and here you are, you're thinking that I'm the king and you're the princes. And you want to figure out which one of you is number one and which one is number two. You're, you're thinking about ruling. You're thinking about respect. But Jesus did not do that. Jesus said, even the Son of Man came to serve instead of to be served. And then Jesus pointed to the cross. He said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Uh, that Greek word there for ransom, it, it is exactly that. It's hostage money. Money given to set somebody else free from captivity. You have been ransomed. Not with money, not with silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The one who came to serve you. And so now we take that, secure in that knowledge... Understanding that this is what uh, Lent, Holy Week, Easter, what that is all about. And then we take that and now we serve others. And if we're not sure what that means, then, well, we have an example. Jesus was kind of pointing to himself as an example to James and John, to the disciples. He's an example. He's a good place to start. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.